question is this, is that beyond just myself? Um, now, sometimes uh, people will veer off the path and go that narcissistic route when can I be a part of something in which everyone knows myself? You know, that's, um, to be honest about that. But it's really, especially this message that we hear, it's one of the reasons I didn't have the full read for us uh, this Sunday is we just heard it not too far uh, ago on Pentecost Sunday. It's God's subtle kind of hint to us that we are geared. We are geared and are very, and what God wants us to do is to be important to this new life. Um, in the booklet, it, it describes it this way on page two. It puts this defining moment of how we're able to do that. It says the transforming power of the Holy Spirit enables us to do and be more than we ever imagined. Experience and know the further it also says members therefore for have a relationship with God that comes through an ongoing personal encounter with Jesus. Um, and so with that, what does it look like? Let's go all the way back. You know, suddenly um, so much happens. And to give you, the disciples have been hanging out, getting, if you would, prepared for the festival weeks. Um, it's not a real flashy festival. It's a Jewish harvest festival, historically commemorating the giving of the law on Mount Sinai from Moses Egypt. And so around the law, um, and so those who are still our Jewish brothers and sisters still celebrate that festival. We celebrate the festival instead of Pentecost, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so if you can imagine, Jesus were gathered together for worship, experience of a rushing wind, and everyone filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we know this not just because as the believers spoke, but we know that not just the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, but everyone, because suddenly everyone heard fulfillment of the mission that Jesus offered. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me every in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, now, as, um, as this fulfillment is going out and people, uh, Peter is what's going on because they know that the people that are experienced, they know where they're from. They know they can't understand someone from there and suddenly they are. Um, some people even say, what can this mean? Some even say, well, they're drunk, though, uh, uh, though everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter is the one that, you know, Peter, the one who stepped, or the one whom Jesus referred to as Satan at one. Peter, the one who denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. Um, and so, uh, so he even tells the group, says, look, they're not drunk, it's only nine. Obviously, Peter didn't know some of the people that I do that, look, Peter, it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> so, but Peter then kind of guides the crowd in this fashion. He knows that they would have heard throughout this time in their life many of the psalms. Through these songs that they've heard in song and poetry, he would have known this. And so he first guides Psalm 16, talking about the Holy One, talking about David. And, and he says, Jesus is the foretold descendant of David who is seated at the throne and therefore inherits the sovereignty. Making that connection, he's actually saying Jesus is, Jesus is the Lord and Messiah. The jumping spot of our scripture that we heard today in verse 36. Therefore, the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah. Earlier, he had just been echoed who said that old men will dream dreams and young will see visions as God's spirit is poured out upon the land. And so he begins to calm their fears and then hits them with this, Jesus, 
to the cross and died, raised up again. This is the Messiah. And if he recognizes the Messiah, then it must be through the lineage of David. And as Peter is speaking to them, he's wanting to know essentially this, that God's unfailing love through you, not for just some people, are the And your worth, worth is found in the outpouring of God's very self in love, which is a powerful statement even today. You know, even today in which we look for so many different is it our, our worth based upon the, our associations? It's how we're feeling. You know, if we're feel, feeling happy, our worth must be good. If we're feeling sad, it must be bad. And, but no, Peter says, no, your worth, your worth is found in the outpouring of God. And what did they do? Well, they heard. Uh, in fact, what I'm amazed at the language that he says here, he gives the, the language of they are cut to the heart. Now, um, here's a powerful the years and the times that I may be able to have a rousing, you know, sermon of raw celebration, but to cut to the heart, that's something that I can't do. That is something only through the Holy Spirit moving through me can do every time I preach. I'm able to put many hours of so much that it knocks myself that I'm hoping that it does the same to you. <laughs> And interesting, on those days, sometimes I'll get one or two people that'll go, nice sermon, okay. I'm like, mm, thanks. <laughs> Another day, in the prayer of someone that is sick at the hospital, find a little bit of hope. Meetings behind coffee shops and at uh, side comments in the hallways and deep and very little time has been able to been focused on the message. And then suddenly that week, a, a Facebook Thing, thank you so much. This was just the word, definitely a God. <laughs> it was news, not my voice, but God working through me. So the question comes again, well, this is amazing for the early community and for us, but what should we do? So many hundreds of years later, it says the first thing that you are to do is repent. Um, and now, now this word will no doubt sound old fashioned to many, if not most. Uh, you know, Christians today, since it's not part of our day-to-day -day vocabulary, we rarely, a good southern phrase of bless your heart is, is <laughs> um, if you want to bring the word back in fashion, then maybe use it sometime around, you know, around your work environment. See the reaction you get. <laughs> it may throw some people off. Uh, it's perhaps uh, that old time, you know, revivalist, you need to repent, right? When Peter uses the word we use as repent, there is no condemnation. There is no suggestion that they are especially immoral or perhaps bad sinners, but rather this, the root of the words with respect to Jesus. English for repent means to bind, to reconnect, to realign your life to God. That's all it is. To repent means to realign. So, because we know that throughout that we travel is bumpy and we get kind of knocked off and we get centered again. Peter first repent. Second, in verse 41, he says this. Uh, so those who welcomed this message were baptized. And so, um, so baptism is the normal response to acceptance of the gospel message. For your, even your whole house was baptized as a reoriented that the whole family was moving in that direction. Uh, and it's a natural 
sign of this repentance. Um, now, historically, this is all rebaptized for the most part, and it's rarely, if ever, this because the baptism and repentance is a sign that the Holy Spirit was given to you. It's being given a compass, and, and this compass, instead of pointing north, report, re, instead of pointing north, points to the direction that. What's the answer? Jesus. And let's say you're using this compass and suddenly, you know, one day you wake up because you haven't been looking at that compass, you find and realize you're lost in the woods. But instead of looking at the compass, you just veer this way and that way and this way. Another compass to get out? No, you need to relook. So it's the way of reorienting yourself by looking at the one that was giving you and this result of their actions is suddenly this forgiveness of their sins. So in other words, the forgiveness of the things that they may have said that have been harmful, done, or were not done. The second result, if you would, and then they devoted themselves in verse 42. And this is maybe an intentional or unintentional part of my uh, mind, so leaving it out the, uh, of the reading. But verse, verse 42 says this, they devoted and fellowship to the breaking of bread, which, by the way, no matter which church service you go, doesn't matter the denomination, at some point this is going to be what they do. It's a part of our gathering. There's teaching, there's a part of fellowship. Um, that's what is about still today. They may withstand whatever hits them outside of these walls. And the church is emerging as a community wherein lives are connected with and being transformed by a boundless God. What a congregation shares this experience, basic experience, all administrative work, all meetings, whether significant or boring, all financial statements, all behind the scenes stuff are suddenly empowered with a purpose behind it. I mean, nothing. And if you take a moment, if you take a moment this week to maybe look at your own, see ways that you were seeing the Holy Spirit work. Um, here are a few ways that I've seen it. Um, just, uh, just in looking back in just the last two weeks alone, just the last two weeks, who is wrestling with an addicted daughter who is giving birth to her first child, anybody, let alone God, of them, and the first thing when they held that newborn and realized the only thing they wanted was that for that child to know that they were loved, and suddenly the Holy Spirit opens up within their heart how God loves them as well. And within a clergy group of young pastors that were getting into a very heated conversation on Facebook. <laughs> it went political, it went theological, it went finally to hurt. Yeah. When, and you could almost see it, that laying a calm was one of compassion and care and mission. Um, so, um, our uh, I saw someone who had denied that there was any other God other than their addictive first time ever. A conversation I had in grief, grief-whelming, um, that it brought them to their knees. Um, and, um, and suddenly having a moment, maybe a moment in which that overcome, they began to hear God speaking, they could see more than just their... Now, it's one thing for me to describe this journey uh, of, of repentance and baptism, of fellowship and teaching and breaking of bread and praying, but here might be a nice little image. I love, here's one way of thinking about, if you would, how vast it is. You know, 
That's, that's the life that is amongst us and that's the kingdom that God is calling us to be. Um, and now if you would, imagine first arriving on a beach, life on the beach and journey in which we, and we begin of us. A friend who's been part of this faith maybe longer than we have, or maybe, maybe just a little bit, we know that they have a little bit deeper faith than we have at that moment beach to the shoreline. If you just hit your feet for a little bit, what is that place on the shoreline is to contemplate that faith of what am I going to do with this experience? And how can I be authentic to what I'm experiencing? Then that next stage is life in the way, waist level and you feel the waves with a big one or you brace yourself in which you're worshiping. Maybe you're reading a little bit of scripture and studying it. You're involved in a small group, and essentially the question behind everything is, how do I fit in? Um, then the further out in the waves and your feet really kicks in, looking where do I serve? Um, because you can, you're okay with being off the bottom a little bit. Um, finally, you're out into the deep water, and that's, that's where you're treading it, you're nurturing and reaching out and serving. Let me tell you this secret. As Christians, it's okay, perfectly okay to be at any of those stages. We're not called to be at any one stage for too long. For example, if you're in the deep, to just rest on the shore, lean in on a friend. Your feet, you might challenge of going a little bit further. Um, we're not all called to go out at once in this kind of hurried fashion, but take your time at each of those stages. That's what it is calling us to see as well. Final verses end this way, that those fall away, all have been called, devoted to the teaching, fellowship, sharing of the meal, and prayer. So um, our um, membership booklet uh, has a great one that sums it all up. Desire to recreate us at every stage, provide a safe place for all people to explore a dangerous and transforming faith. Amen? And amen. So, if you would join me in, in prayer before our closing hymn. Um, Father, as we have arrived, um, is as deeper and than any parts of the ocean have ever known. And um, we're called both to love and care and serve for one another and those who haven't even, yeah, know that the beat. So empower us and strengthen us in our, and, um, in our compass, both now and also. For it is in your most holy name we pray, amen.